All right, welcome to the State of the Lakers presented by Dash Radio. Four consecutive Laker wins for the first time this season. Uh, that was one of the uglier basketball games I've seen. I mean, it was. I suppose it was aesthetically pleasing with all the highlights, but it was ugly if you're a uh, Laker fan because you want more in some specific areas of the game. But we'll get into that in a minute. Raj, how you doing, buddy? How's your uh, week going so far? I'm doing great, man. This is a big win to me. I know it, it didn't come pretty the whole night. You know, we didn't. We had a couple leads that we were blown, but this is a this was a big game to me. This this showed a lot. I, I'm higher on Atlanta than a lot of people. I think I think they're better than their record for sure. They've had guys in and out. I'm high on Trey Young as well. This is a big one, but yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to get into this one. But how are you, man? How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, so you know, I'm with you. I believe in the talent on that roster. You know, it kind of reminds me of a lot of what we saw from the Lakers early in the season when LeBron and AD were healthy, where, you know, even though you could argue they needed an improvement here or there on the roster, they also just weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing within their defensive scheme. And their, mm-hmm. uh, and you could, you could tell tonight with Atlanta, they just were kind of unorganized all over the floor. Um, one of the biggest sure. indicators of that is, is transition defense. And I thought the Lakers played poor transition defense tonight for long stretches as well, but it was a really interesting, yeah. it was a really interesting game because whenever one team would start taking bad shots and, and give up any sort of long rebound or where the floor balance was off the, you would just have guys run into the rim on the other end. And rule number one of transition defense is take away the rim and, you know, for both teams, there would be these kind of ex- like really quick runs, like, you know, where you'd have a minute or two minutes of game clock and you'd see the, see mm-hmm. the lead completely dwindle or see the lead build way back up. And it was because of this kind of consistent theme that the team that ran more high quality offense seemed to keep the game playing at a pace that was comfortable for them um, and forced the other team to have to score in the half court where they would be capable of getting enough stops. It was, it was kind of interesting in that regard because it seemed like every time the Lakers got control of the game, they got a little bit mismatch happy in terms of trying to hunt Trey and kind of get out of the flow of their offense and start giving up those fast break yeah. opportunities I was talking about. But it was, it was definitely an interesting game with some really ugly stretches, and I thought both teams were loose and sloppy in a lot of the little details, but it was exciting. I mean, there was a lot of cool shot making, a lot of dunks, but uh, I mean, in the, in the Lakers were able to tighten things up more frequently and when they needed to, to put Atlanta away. Uh, but I, the Lakers definitely are going to have to sharpen some things up in order to beat some of the good teams that are actually playing good. unlike Atlanta, who's a good team that's playing poorly right now. For sure. And, and we're on a ladder getting up to that, right? And I heard the broadcast talk about that a lot tonight as well. This is not going to beat Phoenix or the Warriors. Sure, but we are, we're not in position to really like to look at that, right? I feel like that's skipping steps. We're on, a, we're on a ladder up to those teams, and I think beating a team like Atlanta is a part of that. Atlanta came in tonight second in offense, and offense is not their issue. It's defense, obviously, and they've you know, had quotes coming about, about how they've got kind of complacent in the regular season and all that, but they're a good offensive team. Trey Young is an offense of himself. And that, you know, screen roll game that they run, that is tough. That is a pick your poison, tough cover. They run that with Capella. They have, you know, a lot of Spain actions where Kevin Herter or Danilo Gallinari sets the back screen. And it's a tough cover. And I thought it was impressive to kind of keep their offense. You know, they scored a lot of points still. um, But 
we had a lot of big runs on them, even with Trey on the floor. And I thought that was impressive to me to, to, to get a win on Atlanta like this. We're going small, new identity, a bunch of small guards that, you know, Trey can kind of pick on. Uh, I thought he did a good job kind of getting to the basket. His floater game was there as well. Uh, but just to slow him down a bit. And I thought to me, because this is one of the points I wanted to get on, was the Stanley Johnson, LeBron, four or five, kind of that back line, at least to start the game, to me, that kind of set the tone. Uh, they had a lot of deflections. Uh, they, we were trapping Trey uh, a lot on his ball screens, and LeBron or Stanley were on the back line getting deflections, and we got out and ran. We had like a 13-2 fast break point. I just, like tonight was impressive to me, and there's stuff that they have to clean up as well defensively, but I just thought getting a win on a team like Atlanta that's obviously trying to turn their season around, they got all their guys back tonight, right? Which, of course, they got all their guys back tonight, but uh, they got all their dudes back, and I thought most of them played well. They hit some tough shots too, right? And Atlanta's a, a tricky team because you talked about, you know, how you run to the rim and transition. But, you know, guys like Bogdanovich, they, you know, they fire away from three in transition as well. Trey Young shoots from like 35 feet. Gallinari, I don't think he missed tonight. Uh, I'm not sure where he went, but it felt like he hit every contested three he got. But yeah, I thought this was a fun one, man. And obviously Malik Monk and Avery Bradley went with nuts in that first half. But And to have a game where LeBron really didn't start picking up offensively till the fourth quarter, and we'll get into that. But I just thought this was a this is a really nice win to kind of build off of. I think we're starting to see the the fruits of playing small. This is the third straight you know game that we played with this starting lineup. They're four and zero now, or fourth straight. Sorry, they're four and zero now with this starting lineup with um, Malik and uh, Stanley in the starting lineup there. So we're starting to build some chemistry, and you're seeing how other teams are going to struggle to defend us when we're small, right? We they Mm -hmm. have to have their center on LeBron. And we were able to kind of take advantage of that. Russ was running ball screens where, you know, LeBron was the screener a lot more tonight than usual. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to kind of get into. But I think this was a good win to build off of. Yeah, I want to get into the offense. I want to get into LeBron and his kind of demeanor over the last couple of games because I think that's interesting, too. Uh, But you, you had mentioned something about the back line. And I think it presents a really interesting conundrum when you're playing small, Um, because for starters, both, you know, there were times when LeBron was at center in the lineup, but Mello was with him. And just be- yeah. and just because of the way the floor was balanced, Mello ended up being the guy dealing with the roll man or dealing with the pick and roll coverage. Like he was effectively in the center position on any given play. And Mello really, really struggles in that spot, especially when there's a good vertical lob threat. But there were a lot of plays tonight <clears throat> when Stanley and LeBron were in that spot where they were able to blow things up. And the interesting thing that they have figured out that is so important for small ball is like, you know, when you have a real center, you can kind of play in between the, the, the ball handler and the guy rolling to the rim, right? Like think about that famous Giannis play in the NBA finals. That's like the perfect example of what I'm talking about, where you're guarding the guy going to the rim. I think it was Devin Booker on that play and you're able to dissuade him from shooting, but then turn and block a guy way above mm-hmm. the rim. But we don't, when we're playing small, like when we don't have Anthony Davis, we don't have that guy, right? So I tend to look at it from the standpoint of you have to sell out to the ball handler and, and try to disrupt that because if that pass gets through, you're not, yeah, you're, we're done. You're not doing mm-hmm. anything with it anyway. And, and if you're playing in between in no man's land, and this is something that De- DeAndre Jordan has, been got, has gotten killed on all season long, is if you're in that no man's land, you're, you're not bothering the guy with the ball. He just throws it up and now you're jumping and just getting dunked on. Right. And so, you know, there was this very specific play there in the third quarter that kind of illustrates what I'm talking about where Trey got into the lane and Stanley just abandoned John Collins and sprinted up on Trey and jumped. 
and he deflected the lob pass. Now, again, if that gets through, it's a dunk. But if he does, if he just stands there, it's a dunk too. It ended up leading to a run out where Russ uh, actually ended up smoking a layup and then LeBron like tapped it in. So it was actually an important sequence there in the third quarter to build the lead. But it kind of is ind- indicative of what I'm talking about with our small ball defense. Like LeBron, you've seen a lot of like LeBron running a drop coverage, right? And <clears throat> while I, I like the idea of that because he can communicate and kind of stay back around the rim, it's also important for those guys on that back line to almost ignore the lob threat. Or if they're going to guard the lob threat, it needs to be below the rim, meaning like boxing him out. And, and not so much like just jumping towards the rim because they, they're just going to give up a ton of lobs. And they've given up a lot of stuff in pick and roll in situations like that this season. Um, but it's something to keep in mind. And, mm-hmm. that, and I don't know how you counter that with Melo when he gets into that spot. But they've got to figure something out with Melo too, especially against these good teams, to get him in a position where when he's on that back line, he can, uh, he can be out of that spot so that either Stanley or LeBron is the one who has to, to disrupt uh, that action. Um, but it's, it's interesting because like, you know, the, the Lakers after the Anthony Davis injury coming into tonight, were 25th in defense, I think. So, you know, mm-hmm. so let, let's looking forward, you know, assuming Anthony Davis comes back, eventually you're still getting probably 14 to 16 minutes a night with LeBron at center. So they're, they're going to have to figure out something that works. Cause I think the LeBron at center lineups right now are doing about 109 points per hundred possessions on, uh, on defense, which isn't quite good enough. So they're going to have to figure out some details there with those small ball lineups just to get more stops. Um, but I do like that formula. If they can figure out how to get more stops, you saw the offensive end tonight. I thought was as crisp and as comfortable and as flowy. Somebody pointed out on Twitter, it was our season high for assists. So we were moving Mm -hmm. the ball a lot. Like the the offensive end is coming along so well for these small ball lineups. If we can figure out how to get some stops in those lineups, we could be really dangerous. Yeah, and you brought up Carmelo. Like, he's always going to be a, a give and take, right? Like, you're not going to get the defense with him, but you see what he does offensively. Like, we look like a juggernaut offensively, and you talked about the defense. Last five games, you know, last five isn't, you know, the greatest barometer, but we're about middle of the pack defensively in the last five games. I think it's like 109, like you talked about, but our offense has pretty much jumped up, right, to our offense is number two in the league in the last five games, and that's not including, I don't think NBA.com has oh, wow. the, uh, tonight's numbers. Tonight's numbers, yeah, yeah, we're at like 120.5, and I think that jumped up even more uh, after tonight. Uh, but yeah, man, like, and I also think Vogel is pushing the right buttons as well. I want to give him credit too. I like that, you know, he put in Dwight, I believe, for Capella. Uh, he put Dwight in uh, when uh, Capella was in and kind of matching their minutes. I just think he's finding the right buttons, and I think our defense is getting better. I like that we're switching more. I love the Austin Reeves with it, and we're just kind of building. Like, this feels like a brand new team, and, and tonight, you're right, it looked like the most flow that i've seen talon was a part of that too his jumper still isn't there but i thought he got to the rim he had that nasty one hand uh in and out dribble dunk uh i forgot who that was over but he had a nasty dunk tonight he got to the rim his layups were going the ball was moving when we were when we had uh we had lebron at the five it was just nice man the offense flowing when malik monk has a jumper going avery bradley looks like he's knocking it down he's at 40 percent. his contract was guaranteed uh the ball was just moving nicely and we looked unstoppable for a lot of that 
the Hawks had no answer for us. They didn't know who to put on LeBron. They didn't know how to guard our screen coverages. Uh, we were just moving the ball right to left, uh, left to right. It was just like, it was a nice game to watch, man. And I think it's something we're definitely can continue to build on. And like I talked about, I'm super high on Atlanta. Like I think they're a really good offensive team. I think they're really, I think they're a lot better than they've shown. And to got to get a win to, to get our fourth win. It's going to be a tough t- test against Memphis, I believe on, on Sunday, I believe, but, oh, yeah. but yeah, man, this is, but this was a fun one. I think our small ball lineups were seeing the fruit of that and Vogel's understanding kind of what buttons to push. You know, we don't like the mellow at the five, but like those lineups kill offensively. And if you can, you know, just be average defensively on those, you can kind of see the lead push and you saw him, when he's wide open, he's been pretty much a money, and the Hawks kind of had to make a lot of decisions. When it's Malik Monk and Carmelo on the two weak side corners, like that's a tough decision for a defense. And then it's like Russ and LeBron putting pressure on the rim. It's just we're seeing some of the the fruits of the of us playing small now. Yeah, that was one of the things that I had uh, taken specific notice of during the game. Like there's a good a, a good amount of defensive breakdowns that we were seeing from Atlanta that needs yeah. to, that needs to be pointed out. Um, however. This style of play is really hard to guard. You know, this is something I've Absolutely. been this is something I've been preaching nonstop since the playoffs last year. It was kind of like such an awakening for me to watch the Clippers. And it, it's something that I've said many times on the pod, so I'm not gonna spend too much time on it. But for them to, you know, with Paul George and with Reggie Jackson, basically, and a bunch of guys who are, you know, mid-level closeout attackers on the wings. They were mm-hmm. able to light the Utah Jazz on fire. And, and they had a lot of success during that whole playoff run. They came within two wins of making it to the NBA Finals. They even had a great deal of offensive success against that Phoenix Suns team. And, it, and it, there's yes, there's talent at play there. Paul George is obviously an extremely gifted wing. And Reggie Jackson shot the ball really well in that series. And he's a shifty athletic guard that can get into the lane. But a big part of that is don't make yourself easy to guard. Like that's, that's what drove me insane to start this season. And it was something I preached nonstop because I thought it was directly impacting our defense. Like we said earlier, you know, the transition rate, the teams would get off the rails tonight. Both teams would get off the rails tonight defensively when their offensive execution would fall apart and they'd live in transition. Right. And that was kind of what was happening to us to start the season. We were making ourselves so easy to guard with those DeAndre Jordan lineups that we were just missing jump shots. You like uh, Pete from Microfilm Room would chart these and he would talk about it in the, in the in that pod. They would say like, you know, oh well, we have 13 possessions with this group and we took you know 11 jump shots to start. You know, we were making ourselves easy to guard and it was leading to runouts that was directly leading to our defense being compromised all the time. Um, even with all the size and advantages that came with having DeAndre Jordan there. And that's the thing here is like what you're seeing is, you know, especially if we can figure out how to refine this further and further as time goes on, because you're seeing our offense get a little better each game, which is something Mm -hmm. you can expect when you adopt a new style and you're, you know, because it's a new style, you're far from your ceiling with it. As they get closer to that ceiling, a large part of their defensive success will come from, constantly having the ability to set your defense and that, you know, that's what Brooklyn did so well last year in the playoffs. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see where that goes long-term, but it's so important for us to continue to breed this uh, culture of offensive comfort and flow, because that will inherently help us. Cause you, you know, you know, Frank is obsessing over the defensive end, right? 
Like Frank's going to watch this film tomorrow and he's <laughs> going to literally want to claw his eyes out over some of the defensive mistakes we're making. That, that makes me feel good because what did, what did you and I say nonstop over the course of the last couple of years? LeBron's the offensive coordinator here. Frank is the defensive coordinator. Well, LeBron seems to have this offense thing down from the center position, right? Like we are humming right now in all cylinders. Like you said, to second in the league in the last five games. So I can't wait to see what Frank has for this team defensively because I feel very confident that before AD gets back, we're going to have a stretch of games where we're going to get a lot of stops because that's just what his specialty is. And there is enough athletic talent on this team, you know, with Reeves, with Stanley Johnson, with THT, with Trevor Ariza, with Avery Bradley, we have enough talent defensively to get stops. Yeah, and I thought tonight was a blueprint kind of for what they can be. And again, the Hawks scored a bunch of points and it wasn't perfect. But I think we're going to be more of like a trappy trap team, like create turnovers, create chaos. Not so much like a standard set defense, more like create turnovers. A bunch of plays where like Russ got Russ was like about to get a turnover. He got his like fingerprints on it. And you could see them kind of be able to react to that. And Trey Young's again a tough cover with that because he can get to the basket. He has a floater game. But I thought like trapping and stuff like that doubling on the ball like that kind of is more our flow our system and guys like stanley johnson lebron on the back line they're able to go and tag the role man in that way and it's a little different when you have a traditional center right even when dwight's on the floor it's still like a traditional drop coverage and that but when you have just all wings you can switch a lot more and i thought we we started to see that we gave up a bunch of open threes tonight on plays so like where one guy thought he was switching and he wasn't and it got like harder some open threes bogdanovich like i talked about about that later on in the game like we'd have like a Reeves and like THT and those two can just switch actions and we're like that throughout pretty much our starting five Russ can kind of switch through most of those LeBron and Stanley obviously I talked about on the back line and Stanley Johnson man like I feel like his energy is infectious and it's not just energy because I think that wouldn't be fair to him like he's a legit defensive player like he had a I think he blocked a dunk tonight to have that, that right? was an outrageous block that chased yeah. down John Collins oh my goodness. yeah yeah I, couldn't, yeah I was like man and he's he's a legit defensive player to me and I think he's starting to find his niche his role it's great we got him back on the team I think he'll eventually uh be on the roster full-time just the way he's starting every game and those two man were, were awesome against a, like I talked about a great offensive team in Atlanta I think Atlanta had like 12 points through the first like six minutes of this game if I remember correctly I think we had a, a yeah nice I think game. really quickly the Lakers definitely got had so much success early in the game you could tell they never felt threatened which I think is part is very relevant it's very relevant here when we're talking about how their defense sucked for large yeah yeah uh, it was definitely up and down for sure and again lebron's going to wax and wane kind of when he's the center right because that's a lot of effort for him we talked about being the center is less physically taxing but still a team like atlanta you have to run around because they have so Mm -hmm. much shooting around trey young and they run so many actions where where their their pick and roll action is such a tough cover where you have to kind of be in two places at once a little bit and that stuff that that effort's going to wax and wane but i saw enough tonight where Vogel can kind of build a blueprint defensively and again Dwight came off the bench I love the buttons that Vogel was pushing the mellow at the five we saw some of it but I thought you know he took it out when it wasn't needed he, he took out Carmelo for Stanley for a little bit in the fourth and put it back in to kind of put the game away offensively and I think he's pushing those buttons but there's a successful team here and obviously throwing Anthony Davis into it just makes it all that better I think LeBron and AD are the two best you know small ball in quotation small uh, small ball centers like in the world like I don't know you can get two other than obviously Giannis maybe but like you put those two in this with this type of shooting with Malik Monk like I'm excited to see it and, and Kendrick Nunn obviously is on the bench too so we'll have a rotation kind of thing to figure out but this is a blueprint that we can follow man just a fast team Malik Monk is active 
uh, we think about his athleticism offensively, but he jumps for in passing lanes. Like he's quick. Like he'll like he'll, mm-hmm. he's starting to read plays more too. Like you'll see a cross court pass and read it and pick it off. Like I think he's improved defensively. There were times tonight where Trey Young tried to pick on Malik Monk and he did a nice job. Like he stayed in front of him, used his quickness to kind of uh, make him take like a tough step back three. We're seeing incremental improvements even if it hasn't shown up in like defensive rating and stuff and that stuff is so tough for me to look at because this is a brand new team jason right like this is a like two starters are on the bench right now deandre jordan ken baysmore who are who are littered through all our you know big minutes lineups so far don't even play anymore like this is a totally different team uh and Mm -hmm. i think it's tough to kind of look at you know how our ratings match up for the rest of the league because we're a new team we're starting pretty much from fresh here yeah, no, hundred percent agree. Like this is <laughs> you, I, I said before every season, I say that you, you track defensive rating as just a general indicator of, you know, effort level throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I mean, the Lakers were ninth in defensive rating before the Anthony Davis injury, you know, but it's like, at the same time, that was a completely different group. Right. So mm-hmm. everything, everything's kind of irrelevant. It's a moving scale. Every, everything about the way we evaluate this team now needs to be focused on this new identity with this new group of players that they're playing with. That goes without saying, I wanted to, uh, to talk about THT cause you know, oh, yeah. so for those of you who didn't listen to our last pod really quickly, like, you know, one of my big sticking points with THT all season is the kids just been put through the ringer with his uh, rotation between the thumb injury and COVID. And then just all of the other, roster turnover, throwing him in and out of the starting lineup and, you know, changing him from being on the ball a lot to being off the ball a lot. And, and he's a young player and those sorts of things tend to have a a greater impact on younger players than they do on veterans. And, you know, I predicted that as he would get into a more consistent role, which is what this off the bench role is for him now. And as long as he stayed on the court, that he would start to trend in the right direction. And then, you know, from there, because he's played a couple of good games in a row now, from there, it's about like, okay, what's replicable, right? Like what, what is he doing that will consistently work versus something he's doing that's, you know, out of, out of the ordinary. So for instance, when he had those back-to-back 20-point games when he first came back from the thumb, like if you look at those, it was like he was making a lot of threes, right? And we know that's not necessarily replicable for him yet at this point in his career. But over the course of these last two games, a lot of what he's doing is like, I don't see why that wouldn't work. He's bullying guys around the rim. You know, he's, a, he's consistently attacking closeouts and making good decisions. Like there were a bunch of plays today where he'd catch the ball at the three point line, beat a guy off the dribble, help defender would step up and he'd hit mellow or he, you know, hit monk coming off the, you know, from the other side. Like he was just making consistent quality reads out of advantage situations. And then also, you know, you can tell the Lakers have made a concerted effort to get his intentional touches with an advantage. So if on plays where he's not attacking a closeout, but rather they're running a set for him, it almost always involves him coming off some sort of curl or in some sort of ball screen with a matchup with a shooter, someone like Mello, where they're going to be hesitant to leave Mello or on those curls where he has an advantage. And he's just killing people when he has that advantage because he's got such a low center of gravity and he's so strong that when he gets a step on you, it's, it's kind of just over. And the crazy part is I thought he missed a couple shots tonight that were really high percentage shots around the rim, you know, a couple scoop shots. And then that little uh, play where he got uh, Clint Capella off his feet and smoked that layup right by the rim. Like he, 
I could, you know, this is, this is looking really good. And, you know, again, like we said, it's all about consistency here. If this turns into a sort of thing where he's doing it once out of every three games or once out of every four games, then the conversation about whether or not you trade him gets a little more complicated, you know, but if he can get to the point where he plays this well, two out of three games, like that's when you start looking at this from the lens of he's helping us right now. And he has this great upside that we can look to in the future. But I mean, this is, I got a lot of crap for the other day for saying that THT um, kind of reminds me of Drew Holiday. And, <laughs> and, and again, it's way too soon to take a victory lap. I am not taking a victory lap, but what you're seeing from THT in these last couple games this is what I envision when I think about his development as a player, just this power guard who should eventually become a guy who can knock down shots. Hence the high quality free throw shooting. You know, he's a power guard that punishes smaller, skinnier offensive or uh, defensive players at the guard position. And then also on the other end can guard, you know, basically one through four. Uh, there were a couple plays today where he got switched onto a post, especially early in the game where he got beat, but like he does a really good job one through four defensively. So I, this is, this is the, what I envisioned from THT. And I, like, I don't want to talk about trades. He's not tradable for another eight days. So not, <laughs> we're not going into that at all, but um, he's, he's such like a rhythm player. And I don't think it's coincidence um, that he's like, these like good games are coming from him coming off the bench. And tonight was the first time he came in for LeBron instead of Russ. So last three games, he usually comes yeah, in for Russ. Yeah, yeah, he came in for LeBron this time. LeBron only came in for a little, only went out for a little bit. I think, I think he only sat for like two minutes. And then he came in for Russ, if I remember correctly. But I don't think that's a coincidence. It's nice he's not playing with all three of the ball handlers. And tonight, there was definitely a concerted effort to give him the ball more. Even when he was on the floor with Russ, even when he was on the floor with LeBron, they let him run actions a little bit more, let him kind of iso, let him attack the rim such a rhythm guy like I was talking about and he got he got to the rim a little bit he got to the line I think that I think he shot like the first technical free throw or something like that and I think you know just seeing the ball go to the basket for him and it was just cool to see him get going and, and Atlanta kind of try to hide players on him there was a stretch in this game where we went to THT LeBron screen and roll but instead it was THT as a screener and I feel like that's just mm-hmm. stuff you can do to just so he doesn't always have to be the guy that needs to shoot and we, you know all those plays we talked about earlier where the ball was moving like it was like three, four passes. THC was a part of that. He was a he was a part of a lot of those possessions where like he was the glue guy. He drives, ball kicks, kicks. He moves it. You talked about the pick and uh, pick and pops with Carmelo. He's another guy that it's similar to Russ, where like he needs to slow down. He's either like I'm getting to oh, the yeah. rim, you know, I'm either getting to the rim or I'm like shooting a weird jumper. Like he can slow down a little bit, read read the defense, and I saw a lot of that, a lot more of that tonight. He's a good ball handler. Like, all the skills are there. It just needs to be compiled together correctly because he obviously has ball handling skills. He obviously can get to the rim. I think his first step is crazy, which is why I just, you know, even a below-average jumper would just change his life. But, you know, he's, he, he he's going to get better. on somebody. He did, yeah. And, you know, there was a few <laughs> plays where, like, he almost dunked and then decided to lay it up. There's a few plays like that. Uh, but he's, he can get to the rim, and you see him use his body a little bit more, use his physicality. Maybe he's getting a little bit more comfortable after being out for a little bit from COVID protocols and stuff. But, yeah, man, this tonight was another really good, you know, THT game. He got lost a little bit off the ball, you know, on some shooters. Uh, I think on uh, Herder and Bogdanovich a little bit. That's going to happen. I thought his on-ball defense was pretty good, though. I think he was on Trey for a couple of possessions, did a fine job. 
Uh, but yeah, he was he was good, man. And this is kind of what you want to see from him. He knocked down a few threes tonight. That's not really expected. Uh, but I want him to shoot when he's open. Like I think that's important. I think you know passing up shots for him just has a domino effect of of affecting everything else in his game. Uh, but he was good, and I like him as a screener. I like him having the ball a little bit more. Uh, you saw that, and I think that's something they're they're definitely trying to do to build him up a little bit. And it's a second straight game that that's good for him. Memphis yeah. will be a test, but but it, it's a nice nice little streak he's building as well. Yeah, exactly. The the consistency is everything with THT. Mm-hmm. Like we said, like we we see all star plays out of THT every game. It's been you know one of our little talking points that we can. That was like a super all star to. play tonight. Oh it was gosh, like a super yeah. a super all star play. It, in and out dribble crossover to a dunk man it was nasty and the huge hands like the, the, like that's mm. the thing too it's everything with thc is the physical tools like the ability to gather it like that and hold it high and to have such long arms that off a short mm-hmm. takeoff like that that you can get high enough because that's the thing like when you're a jumping vertical athlete but you don't have great physical tools you really have to load up i mean look at malik monk he's the best example of this like he's flying in transition all the time because he gets chance it gets a chance to load up but he struggles like he's not dunking on people in half court sets often because he doesn't have that, you know, easy set of physical tools. So he doesn't have to jump. He has to jump much higher. You know, THT is just so long that he's got the capability to finish like that in traffic because he doesn't actually have to jump that high <laughs> in order to, to finish them, you know. But, you know, uh, the, the key here is this brings us to an interesting concept of closeout attacking, because this is something that, you know, you and I have been on for a couple of years now. Uh, my favorite example of a team that has high level close at attacking is Phoenix. You know, when you look at guys like Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges, they just, the, the, the types of moves they can make attacking closeouts are just a little bit more advanced. And, and especially in a playoff setting when scoring is so difficult, that sort of thing brings a lot of value. And what I saw a lot of tonight was you'd have a, a kind of like a core initiation action at the top, right? Whether that was, a Malik Monk LeBron screen and roll or a mellow LeBron screen and roll or a Russ ball handler screen with, with LeBron mm-hmm. as the screener, they'd run this kind of action either at the top of the key or on the wing. And it would cause the defense to shade towards them because you have to, that's just how it works. It's we have to do the same thing when we're guarding Trey young or when we're guarding anyone else. And so then comes the really quick swing pass, right? The quick swing pass over to somebody who's got a little bit of an advantage, you know, and mm-hmm. that's where, you know, if that's Wayne Ellington, you know, I guess he can pump fake and take a sidestep and get a shot off. And I'm not hating on Wayne Ellington's game. I, I love the guy. But, like, that ability to make a complicated uh, attack of a closeout to either create an open shot for someone else or to create something for yourself is so valuable. And THT is just good at that already, which is crazy. And it actually brings, you know, on a larger scale, like that's an interesting conundrum with Stanley Johnson and Trevor Ariza because, you know, there was a play, Stanley actually stepped out of bounds on it, but where he was able to beat to the baseline, I think it was end of the first half. You know, yeah. that kind of that kind of play, Ariza can't really make right now. Ariza's kind of like almost more, more like a Ellington in the sense that like he can shoot it and he might be able to pump fake and sidestep, but he's not able to really beat guys off the dribble when he's given a little bit of an advantage and Stanley can, and that kind of makes him an interesting option. You know what I mean? As, as a guy to take minutes away from Ariza when we're whole is, you know, just, you have to be able to beat that guy who's closing out at you. 
um, unless you're just absolutely on the money from three every time, you know, which is a different story. But it's and that's obviously what keeps Mello and his value so high. But that, that, that concept is very interesting to me because especially when you get into a playoff setting, there's just not going to be a lot of like two on two on one side of the floor. It's going to be a lot of shading mm-hmm. and helping and packing the paint and things along those lines. Yeah, and that's interesting. And that's kind of where uh, you talk about this a lot as well, where like Austin Reeves comes in as well. And he just, he just he's fits, right? Yeah. yeah, you know, he's just, he's just good, man. Like there's no, there's no like qualms about like he's a, he's good for a rookie. Like that dude is just good. He's not even shooting well, but the floor just connects. And you talk about the, you know, being able to attack a closeout. He does that really well to me. His decision making mm-hmm. in that is split second. And he usually makes the right decision every time catch shoot pass like he knows exactly where to go and i think you know we can kind of move this as well i'm not sure we didn't really get into malik monk that much but man malik is kind of living off these right like malik is in heaven right now like he's shooting threes i, I, I pulled up the numbers here malik is 17 for 32 from three in the last three games that's like 53 percent, and that's they're insane. not all and that's just not and i think he's a legit shooter like i don't think he i don't think this is a hot streak like his form looks good i talked about when he gets into the dip of his jumper it just i feel like it's going in uh but yeah like uh, he's able to attack off off that he's getting to the rim a little bit getting to the line uh again he had i think he had 21 at halftime he was like 10 for 12 or some some ridiculous number and he just keeps on thriving you know in this small ball universe that we've entered here uh he feels like one of the biggest you know guys who's who's benefited off it honestly and you talked again the closeout attacking be able to hit wide open threes at a super high rate he doesn't need to be open to shoot, which I think is a really important thing for this team. Like he doesn't have to be wide open. Like Wayne Ellington to me needs to be. Yeah, I know we don't want to attack Wayne Ellington. He was one of my favorite <laughs> signings. He's one of my favorite signings, honestly. But he needs. He's the guy that kind of needs to be open to shoot, right? If it's con- contested, he's going to just pass it off. Malik Monk, you know, he, he doesn't feel like he doesn't really even see the defender a lot of times. But just talk to me about Malik Monk because I thought again another just monster game from him and really picked up the slack him and Avery Bradley, honestly, who we should give some flowers to as well. But Malik Monk just picking up the offense, 60 something points from us. He had 21 of them. Uh, would you, would you kind of think of Malik, just this continuation of, of play from him? Well, I, I'm glad you pointed out that he's been shooting the ball well, because the, the truth is, is it, to me, it's kind of a regression to normal because early in the season, if you guys remember, Ellington and Mello and LeBron were all like up over 50% on wide open threes. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, that was, and, and LeBron was struggling on off the dribble threes, but the everything wide open, LeBron, Mello, and Wayne Ellington were just good as money. But Malik Monk, for whatever reason, was missing the open shots to start the season. He had a few games where he shot the ball well, but Malik was struggling a little bit figuring out, but now in his defense, he, at that point in the season, his role was inconsistent. And this is actually, I'm going to go on a little mini tangent here. You know, one of the big reasons why I think uh, Wesley Matthews has been playing so well for the Bucks is he has a consistent role there. And if there's one little tiny itty bitty bit of criticism, I throw Frank Vogel's way. It's that he tweaks with the rotation a lot. Um, particularly at the guard position. And that was something he did a lot last year. If you remember, like there'd be stretches of the season where Wayne, uh, where West would be in the rotation. And then there'd be mm-hmm. stretches of the season where West wouldn't be in the rotation, you know, and like, you know, he got his minutes taken by THT. Like he, yeah. THT took his minutes. Like he, he sure. mm-hmm. but my, but my point is, is throughout the season though, Wes's role was somewhat inconsistent. And I mm-hmm. don't, and I, and I think specifically for, guys who are 
you know, uh, who have the ball in their hands, guys who, you know, th- that it's a rhythm sport. It really is. And, and it can get disrupted. So my point is, is like coming back to Malik Monk, one of the big reasons why I think Malik Monk is playing so well right now is by virtue of necessity, the Lakers lean heavily on him, um, you know, uh, after a few games when things kind of started to go off the rails with injuries and stuff like that. And what you've seen is in this consistent role, he's just comfortable now. And we talked about this like three or four games ago, but he has a green light now, like a full blown mm-hmm. legitimate, like no questions asked. You've got a green light. And that, that works wonders for a player's confidence. You know, when you don't have to fear missing a shot, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, even in that game where, you know, when remember the one after the game where they asked him what he changed and he's like, I stopped taking stupid off the dribbles that back threes. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's, it's funny because, you know, maybe when he was in New Orleans or when he was in Charlotte, he might've taken a couple tough step back threes and Borrego might've benched his ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, it, it, but whereas here, like he has freedom to fail, you know, and he missed all those shots in that particular game. And then, he started taking easier shots and they started going in. He was given an opportunity to, to find his confidence and to find his rhythm. But again, like having, having him like this as an option to um, carry the offense for significant stretches of the games helps in a bunch of different ways. Not only does it unlock some of those two man game options, like we were talking about with LeBron, but it's relieved some of what we need Russ to do. You know, having having Malik and THT start to play this well puts Russ. It's it you know, it, it slots Russ pro- properly as someone <laughs> that can kind of go back to what his offensive role was when AD was in the lineup, and that makes me feel a little better because you know I was worried we were going to get a heavy dose of some of the uglier sides of Russ's game over this stretch without Anthony Davis and. Malik Monk is rectifying that. And so is THT. And obviously again, consistency is going to be the key here. Now for THT, it's only been two games. Malik's been going like this for two and a half weeks now. So <laughs> that's exciting, but uh, it'll be, it'll be key that he stays on this course. But I tend to think with a green light and with the opportunities he's getting and playing alongside LeBron James, like it's not like his shot quality is going to dip. He's just got to keep knocking him down. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we're starting to like actually run actions for Malik too. We started running him off some curls, and he's coming off and pulling up, and just trying to get into some more you know system stuff for him. Where in the half court, get him more shots. But that's a great point on like how it slots Russ to a little bit more of an easier position, right? Because when we're starting Russ next to, uh, we already started next to Avery Bradley, who's not really a ball handler in sense, more like a spot up guy. Um, and I think it was also THT as well. Uh, but now you put Malik Monk next to him, just a guy he can give the ball to. And it feels like Russ is is able to kind of attack more in, on his terms, right? It's it's not so much you have mm-hmm. to have him run in the half court. And and I think Russ has done a lot better job, you know, just controlling his, his attacks to the rim. He had some finishes tonight, Jason. Do you see the one in transition today where he was like up and under? It was like with finesse. It was super nice. And I'm like, man, he can do that all the time like if he, he just floats, slows down if, if if he just slows down a little bit like he can finish like that um but i think that's a good point with that because like i've always said with russ you're never going to i don't think tempering him is ever the solution it's just you know lowering the usage and i think we're kind of seeing that where he's able to his, his usage goes down a little bit and he can attack on his terms especially with lebron on the floor again with malik monk as hot as he is able to be a bull in a china shop in transition 
he's doing a, and Avery Bradley and him are starting to get a little connection here, right? Like when Russ drives, Avery Bradley cuts and like he's found Avery, he found Avery Bradley a few times, not just tonight in the last few games. Him and Bradley have a nice connection as a cutter passer kind of duo, but I think his passing is getting better. Three and three turnovers tonight. Two of them were kind of like what were you doing stuff but you know three turnovers is not bad for Russ for the night he had I think he had like 12 assists or something uh 12 assists on the night but you know he's starting to play a little bit better and the game is starting to be controlled a little bit better for him I'm I feel like he's he's moving in the right direction and, and when AD comes back obviously that'll kind of you know shift him even more into the into the correct spots but I think he's played well man I don't and I think Malik Monk you know surgeons here is not you know it's not coincidental that russ is playing better uh along with that so I, I think you're right with that uh with that assessment i think malik's definitely helped russ kind of be more in his lane and be able to attack in situations that make sense and we've kind of figured out a late game kind of thing with him where he can go stand in the dunker spot he can be a screener he's kind of more the secondary third attacker uh instead of having to be the primary guy and i think that's something we've kind of figured out as as the season's gone on yeah, you know, the, my, Russ has actually started to play better, start, a little more self-controlled for all those reasons we just discussed. I think, you know, I think if I had to choose between him taking some of these 15-footers that he's been taking or putting his head down and trying to get into the paint, um, especially early in the game, the way that he did mm-hmm. in the first quarter, you know, when Russ drives into the basket and misses a layup, as much as it is a bad play, because it is, because it – triggers a fast break headed the other direction. He's usually complaining to the refs. It's but, when he falls, right? It's yeah, when yeah, he falls. <laughs> or, or complains to the refs. <laughs> but sure. but yeah. the, the, there's, a, there's a cumulative effect to rim pressure that mm-hmm. is a, it's a psychological effect on the defense because they start to naturally collapse when Russ starts bringing the ball up the floor. Um, but also there's a fatigue element to it. And guys start getting out of the way. You know, like there's there were several plays tonight where Russ drove to the basket and was in a crowd and threw up a crazy shot and missed. But then there were a couple of plays there in the fourth quarter where all of a sudden it was single coverage him around the rim and he mm-hmm. bumped a guy off of him and laid it up. And that's cumulative fatigue. That's eventually guys just get sick of getting in the way. You know what I mean? And, and then obviously during the stretches when they are collapsing and trying to take that stuff away from him, there's a lot of, good that comes from the rim pressure with him kicking out and spraying the shooter. So again, like my thing is like, you know, there was a kind of a moment where he made that and one in the first quarter, second quarter might've been on the pull up jumper. Was that? Yeah. The and he mm-hmm. had kind of like a little moment where he threw his hands up kind of like, Oh, finally. And right. You know, I kind of want to be like, man, like, nah, like those one, the other ones missed. Cause you're just not good <laughs> at that. <laughs> you know, like, this wasn't the basketball guys finally paying you back. I, I think, I think that dude might've fouled your shot into the basket. Like, like I, like I, I'm just like, I wish, I wish for his sake, like, you know, especially now that Monk and THT are starting to kind of find their legs and play better. I almost want to be like, man, like really, really channel into what you're good at now, you know, which is just put your head down and go to the rim. Like those are, those are the kinds of, you know, like the plays, the plays where he picks up his dribble along the second lane line and, tries to throw some stupid lob pass. Like those are pointless turnovers, but the ones when he's like flying into the basket and trying to make something happen, those are at least a little more tolerable because of that cumulative effect of him putting rim pressure. So that's what I'd like to see him really, really focus on uh, now that we're clicking so well offensively. 
Yeah, and like those mid-range shots aren't great, you know, but I like to me I'd rather have those than the turnovers as well. Like if you can get a shot at the rim, we can get our defense back and I think it's also a sign of aggression like we need Russ to be aggressive and to him those shots are a part of his aggression, right? It just is mm-hmm. like it's just those, you know, size up, you know, mid-range pull-up jumpers. Like those are that's just part of his game. Those aren't going anywhere, but I I'd rather have that than the you know the the bad drives to the rim where like it's just a throw up there and hope and pray like a foul gets called or he he falls to the floor and all that and I think that's your sign that you're kind of starting to see the progression of that and he's played well these last few games like he was the high I think he led the team in plus minus tonight as well like with a plus twenty four or something mm-hmm. uh, so he when he was on the floor we were we were winning and he, and he was impacting winning in my opinion and him and LeBron are starting to build a little bit of chemistry I thought in the fourth quarter tonight we went to. Russ LeBron screen and roll, uh, really nice. I think Atlanta was going over the top of screens for some reason, and we were he was able to hit LeBron on like pocket passes and stuff. And yeah, just I, I have no idea why they were doing that. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like you know, we're just starting to see progressions um, with the offense with him, and and we're seeing him play better. I thought defensively as well. Just he's been he's picked it up. So hopefully this continues. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting, man. Like the I trade in the, these shots for turnovers all day long, and there's different types of turnovers, like. Uh, you know, but there's different type of turnovers, right? There's the just the lackadaisical, you know, on ball turnovers like those like those you can't live with. But the, like the drive to the rim and then like expecting your guy to cut, because I think there's kind of a they're kind of starting to know like when Russ drives, when I'm supposed to cut. And he's and you'll see it, too. You'll throw it and there'll be a turnover. You're like, man, you're supposed to be there. Like, you know, you're supposed to be there or something. You know, like you're starting yeah. to see little progressions of that. Uh, and he passes to areas I always talked about. He passes to areas instead of players. So once he drives, he expects you to be in that corner. And he found a few guys in the in the corner tonight. And we're starting to see the team kind of understand how Russ plays and Russ understand the team, all that you get through a uh, 82 game season and hopefully AD can come back in a time where those three can kind of build. But I think Russ is in the right direction for sure. So let's uh, hit on LeBron and then let's get out of here for the night. So uh, an interesting stretch of games from LeBron because so three nights ago, you know, Mm -hmm. he basically coasts for three and a half quarters against the Kings. And then, puts his foot on the gas and just goes absolutely nuclear and just blows their head off basically. And we blamed it on fatigue because they had played, if I'm not mistaken, that was their fifth game in eight nights. And over the course of those five games, LeBron had a heavy workload. And in those first four games, there was a considerable amount of energy that he was playing with. Although that fifth game, he was a little more lackadaisical, but it was interesting because then they had a couple of nights off. They didn't practice at all, I think, on Wednesday. And then they did a practice yesterday where LeBron said he went light and primarily focused on his skill work. And mm-hmm. then you come into a game tonight and he was lackadaisical again. And it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, but then he has that blow up in the fourth quarter where he fills up the stat sheet and has a dunk where, you know, THC kind of threw the lob a little too high and his head's near. I the thought rim. it was too high. I thought yeah, it was too it, high. It, 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 <laughs> his head's near the rim, but it's like, yeah. it's funny. It's funny because like, okay, first of all, for any of you that are listening who have played basketball at any level and like real organized basketball, when you play there, you don't feel the same every night. Like even like LeBron has a whole other element. Like he's played so many thousands of NBA games that like for him, he doesn't even probably get as excited as, as normal people do. But like, even when you are excited, like I was excited for every game I played when I was in college, but the truth of the matter is, is like some, it's like a brain, I don't know if it's a brain chemistry thing or if it's like just a natural ebb and flow of physiology, but like 
there are games when you just don't feel good. You know, your head's not really in it. You're not seeing the floor super well. Your energy level's low, whatever that reason may be. And I thought it was interesting that LeBron came out with low energy tonight because it was, uh, you know, it was the type of game against Atlanta, the, you know, a team that made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year on national TV against another star player like Trey Young. You'd think he would have come out with a little bit more urgency. Um, I'm not worried about it by any stretch of the imagination. It just was weird, you know, and like, and it, it also could have been, you know, LeBron also has a tendency when, to, when, when his teammates are really going, he has a tendency to pull off the gas a little bit. That's, you know, famously, if you guys remember, do you remember the game that Avery Bradley hit the game winner against the Cavs in 2017 um, uh, in that series where the Cavs were just beating the living shit out of them every game. And then game three back in Cleveland, they just had a clunker and Avery Bradley made a, a game mm-hmm. winner. It would like hit the front of the rim, like bounced up and went in. In that game, everybody remembers LeBron being horrible and he was, but both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love were going off in that game. They both were efficient and mm-hmm. through three quarters had 20 something points and both of them were killing it. LeBron has a tendency in his history, like when guys are really going and Avery Bradley and Malik Monk were on fire in that game. I think he might have just been kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit and being like, oh, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, oh, they got it going. Like, I might be able to chill tonight. <laughs> you know, like it might, it might have been one of those kinds of things. But for, I'm not sure what the reason was, but it definitely was unusual, in my opinion, that he came out with low energy uh, after having that extra night off. Yeah, that, that's definitely what I saw more of it as. I thought, you know, he saw that Malik Monk was going crazy. Avery Bradley was, was scoring at a at, – was hitting his shots. Also, the Hawks kind of have – they're not a great defense, but I think they do have bigger players where it's a little harder to attack them just in transition, especially with his three-pointer not going. I think he was like one for five from three, and you have Capella. And he was taking bad threes too, man. He was jacking some crappy threes. Yeah, he was taking a little bit tougher shots coming off screen rolls and just and just firing. But, you know, that's kind of how he can kind of load manage instead of having to attack the rim at the rate that he needs to, that he could if he wanted to. But I thought that's more of what it was. I thought Capella and, you know, Collins as well. Those are kind of big kind of dudes that are the kind of archetype that you would theoretically put on LeBron. They're not going to stop him. But a little bit better, you know, Capella's a big guy who can also protect the rim. Just a guy I don't think they wanted to attack. But LeBron in the fourth, 17 points. He looked unfazed to me. Like it's I don't, outrageous, man. I, like I don't like I don't think he feared this. At, like nothing against the Hogs. Again, I'm I'm really high on them. I just don't think he feared this defense at all. Like he knew what he knew he can get to his spot at any time. And I was watching that fourth quarter. I was like, man, he just does not care. Like he does not fear this Hawks defense at all. They threw him in. He was asking for it in the post. John Collins, you know, is all up for it. Is like you know in his stands and is like ready to defend it. And LeBron just you know. Without a sweat, just two dribbles back down, step back, fadeaway jumper, swish, goes back the other way like like it's nothing, like it was a preseason game. Like that's he's mm-hmm. like, This is what I do. And that's kind of more what I saw. It turned up late, obviously had the dunk uh, in transition, but the fadeaway jumpers to me, the jab step pull up jumpers, like that's he was just in a groove. I I think he kind of understands that he can get to a spot, and that's more what I saw it tonight. He was able to kind of walk through this first half. I thought defensively though, he was good. Like I thought he was pretty engaged defensively through the full night. I just thought offensively in the fourth quarter, I think he had 13 points or something for the first three quarters. And that fourth quarter, just give me the ball in the post, give me ball, you know, high post. Uh, let me just back down quick, two dribbles, fadeaway jumper, jab step jumper, game is over. So that's kind of more what I saw, it, uh, at least from him. I thought he, he closed it out again in the fourth. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he, I, I disagree with you on defense. I thought he mailed in a considerable number of Few possessions. Few possessions, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, like when he was dialed in defensively tonight, he made plays. Um, but, you know, there's, a, there's, there's also a really positive way to look through this. Like, you know, you look back at Michael Jordan when he was with the Wizards. You know, you think of a typical older player in the league, even Kobe in his, you know, a farewell tour. Usually for guys who are this late in their career with this much mileage, it's more of like a, oh, I really have it tonight, so I'm going to get 30. You know what I mean? So for for LeBron to basically try for all of about 10 minutes of the last two (laughs) games, literally to have tried for all of about 10 minutes and to be averaging over 30 (laughs) on on efficient shooting, like there's there's it's it's kind of wild that he can kind of coast his way through a game and put up the numbers that he does. But Hey, that's, that's LeBron, man. He's, you know, the first or second best player ever. I don't know. Maybe this, that's just what this looks like. (laughs) He's at 33 points per game or something for the last 10 games. It's outrageous, man. It's insane. It's insane. He's, he's carried the team. So yeah. And in, in a winning concept, I think over their last, I want to say in their last 16 games, they're um, nine and seven, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're, and that's with just a, that's nine and seven over the last 16 games. And you got three and a half games out of Anthony Davis yeah. and you, and you got all sorts of COVID suspensions that just completely railroaded the season. And I could point to Brooklyn as a game. They very easily could have won. Memphis was a game. They very easily could have won. There, there were games in that stretch that they very easily could have won. And so, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. I just, I mean, you know, I, I, as a fan, I get annoyed watching nights like tonight. Cause I'm like, Oh, come on, man. Like this team is hanging around. Like, let's just put them away. But at the same time, like, you know, you, like I, I get it. I, I, I get it in terms of the, uh, the, the dregs of the regular season and, and keeping your energy, energy level up. But, you know, I just hope, especially the one thing that worried me a little bit is especially on those shots in the first quarter, he didn't seem to have great lift. I don't know if you noticed that just like, yeah, well, he was, he was leaving the jumper short and he wasn't getting great lift that, that I hope he's not like, you know, dealing with an ankle or something like that. Um, oh, cause that, cause that could get a little nervous, but I'm, I'm hopeful that he, that he'll be all right. You know, you know how it is with LeBron too. Like it's always like he feeds off of the crowd a little bit. Like he, you could tell he got his pep in his step when he had that alley-oop. It was after he had made a few shots and, it was like, okay, I'm here now. Same thing happened against Sacramento. He hit back-to-back threes. And when he hit back-to-back threes, he was playing to the crowd. Next thing you know, like, oh, he's completely engaged and completely checked into the game. So, I mean, I, I guess th- th- we should keep it positive in that regard. I just, I, just, I just thought it was a little strange is all. Did you have anything else on your list that you wanted to hit tonight? Uh, yeah, last thing, I just want to give Avery Bradley his flowers, man. Got his contract guaranteed tonight. Uh, he gets a lot of crap, I think, from Laker fans. I you know, he's, he's put in different lineups and stuff. I thought he did a great job on Trey Young. Like, I thought when he picked up his third foul and he went out, I thought that really impacted the game. I thought Trey Young got freed up a little bit. But he's shooting like crazy. Like, I don't know what more you could ask of Avery Bradley. So just want to give him his flowers. Uh, he's been playing really well these last few last few games. He's shooting, I think, 40% from three now for the season. Just a professional, right? I think that's what we call him a lot of times. Just a professional guy. Plays hard. You don't have to worry about, you know, his effort or – how hard he plays all that stuff is just you just you just know what you're getting from him so just want to give him a shout out there 
big time, you know, offensive game. Uh, he's picked it up. He's one of the guys that has continued to start. We have a plethora of guards and he continues to just, you know, beat all of them out for starting lineup spots. So just want to give him, uh, give him some credit, ball, ball, ball pressure, point of attack, uh, high level guard. And I think that's, he's a valuable member to this team. Yeah. He deserves that credit, man. He was on the verge of being out of the league. There's a version Crazy. of that. There's a version of that scenario where, the Warriors decide to, to cut him or you wave him and because they want to sign Gary Payton Jr. And the Lakers, maybe Kendrick Nunn doesn't get hurt, you know, and and he could be out of the league. And yeah. and he gets set up to absolutely fail because he gets thrown in and all these DeAndre <laughs> Jordan lineups, you know, like that. That was one of the weirdest little phenomena of the season was looking looking at the lineup data and be like, man. Every time Avery Bradley's out there, we suck. And then, like, it's like, wait, wait, wait. But what what about when DJ's not out there? It's like, oh, we're awesome. <laughs> you know, like, you're like, okay. This do you remember, is we, had, like, do you remember we had, like, Rondo, Westbrook, Bradley? I forgot who else. Like, oh. Bradley was, like, the Bradley was like the power forward in one of those lineups or, or, or yeah. in some way. It's just, it's funny what we've kind of, and that's also because guys are out and stuff. But I think it's funny to kind of see. But he's, he's thriving now, for sure. Well, that's back to your point. Like, this is a completely different team. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's just silly to me, and like I can't get over how many people at, at points during the season wanted to, you know, point out like there was someone on Twitter I can't remember who it was. It was like, oh, did Malik Monk save the season? And don't get me wrong, Malik Monk's been awesome, but it's like, no, no, no. What happened is the Lakers have a functional basketball roster now. <laughs> like instead of playing three to four guards with Anthony Davis by himself or with LeBron by himself. We are now playing two or three forwards alongside guards who can guard at the point of attack and shoot and with LeBron at the helm. Like we, we are running, even without Anthony Davis, we are running far more functional basketball lineups than we were to start the season. And that's directly related to us succeeding. And, you know, I don't want to look, man, like the Lakers also didn't bring enough intensity to start the season. They were shitty in training camp. They, I think they lost every preseason game in those mm-hmm. preseason games. They looked lackadaisical, even when Kendrick Nunn was playing. So I like, I don't want to undersell any of that. The Lakers did not approach this season with the right level of intensity. Frank was all over the place with his lineup decisions to start the year, even when we were healthy. So it wasn't perfect by any stretch, but you could just throw all that away because, the, because we consistently play hard over the over the course of this last month, we've consistently played hard at, at, a, at a completely different level than we did to start the season. And we're just playing completely different guys. So, I mean, and even when Anthony Davis comes back, I think we're going to play a completely different style with LeBron and AD than we did in years past. So I think, I think we all need to kind of like, we almost need that men in black stick thing where you hit the button and you just erase your memory. We need to just kind of like forget any of that happened. Obviously there are ramifications with the standings, but this this team needs to be kind of reevaluated from ground zero at this point. Yep, no, I agree. Brand new team. I don't think you can throw all that, but at least that gave us, you know, a lot of data points to kind of point out what does and doesn't work. And obviously DeAndre is the big one that stood out. But I think there's other stuff from there as well that we kind of learned. Obviously those three guard lineups, putting Russ next to shooting, putting LeBron and Russ together, you know, in more small ball lineups. But yeah, man, brand new team. Uh don't want to say brand new season, but it feels like a brand new team. <laughs> It feels like a brand new team for sure. And hopefully we can, you know, Memphis to me, it feels like, uh, what's it called? Like if you can get that game, that's great. Uh, just, you know, if you can compete in that one, I'll kind of be happy. Memphis is, 
legit to me. They're a really good team. So if we can get that one, that'd be great. Uh, but I just hope we can kind of compete in that one. But yeah, this is a this is a good one, man. We can kind of build off of it. Yeah, it's a good it's a good building block for sure. Memphis will be a challenge, but we can beat them. We just have to play yeah. better than we did last time. All right, guys, uh, this is going. This will not be on Dash Radio because it's a weekend. This will be on our podcast feed here in about 20 minutes or so. Raj and I will be back for our normal post-game show on Sunday against Memphis. Thank you, as always, for the support, and we will see you guys in a couple of days. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate it.